Misgendering is an act of violence. This is going to upset a lot of people. Biological woman, not a real thing. Female, are you female? Are you female? Do I look female? Hey everybody, I'm Brad Palumbo, and welcome back to my show, Damage Control, where we're reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists who have taken it over. I'm flying solo today and talking about a crazy story about an activist calling to punch women who disagree with transgenderism, a wild woke survey that totally backfired, and, of course, a bunch of woke TikToks. If you're new here, consider subscribing, hitting that like button, turning on bell notifications, comment, yada yada yada, and let's get into it. So, up first, it's time to talk about the trans activists who say, punch TERFs, and somehow think that's okay. If you don't know, a TERF is slang for a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. It's a derogatory term used for women and feminists who don't accept transgenderism or don't believe that trans women are, in fact, women. There is a hotly contested war of words going on between TERFs, aka the feminists, who disagree with different parts of the trans, uh, trans argument to different extents, and the hardcore radical trans activists. But one of those activists in the UK recently made waves for openly calling for violence against TERFs. Watch. I was going to come here and be really fluffy and be really nice and say, yeah, be really lovely and queer and gay. No, if you see a TERF, punch him in the face! So that is just unhinged and not very ladylike, I have to say. Also, nice Antifa flag, really grouping yourself in with some good folks there. But look, to state the obvious, it is never okay to advocate for physical violence against people just because you disagree with their ideas or don't like what they have to say. And I would definitely say the same thing if the roles were reversed here. This kind of attitude is authoritarian, it's illiberal, it's intolerant, and it's radically regressive. It's not progressive in any meaningful sense of the word. It would stifle open debate. It would leave everyone worried to ever speak wrong if they could just get hit in the face by some angry person if they say something that hurts their feelings. If adopted to its logical conclusions, it would totally erode society and democracy as we know it. And unfortunately, this isn't just one crazy activist who said this. The whole punch turfs thing is kind of a widespread rhetorical tool often employed by trans activists on the extreme fringes online. But it's not just immoral, it's really off-putting and really counterproductive and harmful to the movement because you don't convince people or win them over through violence. You change minds through discourse and dialogue and getting to know people. And there's no better example of that than Daryl Davis, a black man who has personally convinced more than 200 people to leave the Ku Klux Klan. Take a look at this heartwarming video. My name is Daryl Davis. I am a musician by trade. But for decades now, I have traveled the country asking Ku Klux Klan members a simple question. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? To understand someone, you have to talk with them. I never respected the things these Klan members said, but I respected their right to say them. And over time, through the power of conversation, I would help change their minds. A lot of times we don't agree with everything, but at least he respects me to sit down and listen to me. And I respect him to sit down and listen to him. Eventually, many would leave the Klan. I have collected over 200 Klan robes, hoods, and other racist items given to me by people whose minds I have helped to change. When two enemies are talking, they aren't fighting. It's when the talking ceases that the ground becomes fertile for violence. That's why 
We need groups like FIRE to protect our freedom of speech because without our words, we will never eradicate hate from our world. I love that. I think that is just so beautiful and that it is just all the best things about America, right? You know, we start with these deep racial evils, but through the free speech, through social progress, we change minds and we come together to be a better country. And it couldn't more starkly contrast with the extreme madness from these radical trans activists. So the person who made this statement is a transgender activist in the UK. We've got some reporting on Fox News that covers the fact that they were actually arrested for, because of these remarks. A transgender activist in the United Kingdom was arrested by Metro Police Wednesday on suspicion of incitement to violence for her remarks at a London Trans Plus Pride rally. The political activist, Sarah Jane Baker, 53, is the, quote, world's longest serving transgender prisoner. End quote. Baker currently advocates for transgender women to be housed in women's prisons. Baker previously was in prison for attempted murder of another prisoner after being imprisoned for kidnapping and torturing her stepmother's brother. Uh, so yeah, this is a violent and scary person who should probably not be featured at pride events or allowed to be associated with the LGBT movement in any way. We've actually got video of this person being arrested. Take a look. Under arrest on suspicion of inciting violence. You do not have to say anything that may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned, something which you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Um, the necessity for the arrest is to conduct, conduct a prompt and effective investigation and to prevent any further attempted harm to yourself or anybody else. And have you got any response that you'd like to call? Yes. Okay. Trans rights are human rights. One struggle, one fight. Feel free to have someone, we'll be going down to Charing Cross Police Station. Um, if you want to have someone follow you down, you're more than welcome to. Um, and custody sergeants will explain everything from moving there forward. Alright, I'm just going to hold your arm on the way down, so I don't want you to fall over or anything like that. If you want to come with. <laughs> Trans rights are human rights. They won't get rid of us. Our existence is our resistance. You remember that. So, side note, I don't know if I've ever seen police go that polite and that easy on someone when arresting them. I mean, I guess that's good, but kind of seemed a little bit staged or like special treatment. I wonder if this person got tipped off or if the officers were told to uh, handle this very diplomatically. Now back to Fox News for some more updates on the case. Metro Police said in a statement to Fox News that charges were not yet filed in the matter. Quote, a 53-year-old woman has been arrested on suspicion of incitement to violence, the police said. She has been taken into custody. The arrest on 12th of July is in connection with an incident during the Trans Pride event in Westminster on 8th of July. A video was widely shared on social media. During the arrest, a video of which was posted online, Baker said, trans rights are human rights, one struggle, one fight, they won't get rid of us, our existence is our resistance, you remember that. Now the group that hosted the Pride event in question has actually put out a statement saying, quote, Sarah Jane Baker was not one of our planned speakers. We had some open mic time at the end for members of our community to come forward and speak, and we welcomed Sarah on stage. Trans Plus Pride said on Instagram Monday, Quote, we do not condone violence. We do not back a call to arms for violence of any kind. We do condone righteous anger and the right to free speech that was expressed yesterday. 
we have and will continue to march in peace. I do want to give them some credit there for disassociating with the calls for violence. I think more LGBT organizations need to do this and police their ranks. Uh, But I will just say an open mic idea with one of these kinds of events doesn't seem like a very good idea to me when you're going to have some unvetted people on the stage and uh, could attract some crazies. Now, I've got a kind of hot take on the situation that some of my viewers might disagree with, but I've got to be honest with you guys. I think what this person said is despicable. I think it's evil, but I don't think they should be arrested for it. In the US, what this person said would be considered protected speech under the First Amendment. We do have an exception for stuff that's technically an incitement to violence, But it has to be extremely narrow, and this would not actually qualify as incitement of violence by U.S. standards. A vague general suggestion of violence is not enough to qualify as incitement of violence because the Supreme Court ruled in a famous case called Brandenburg v. Ohio that it's not incitement unless it's, quote, directed to producing imminent lawless action and is likely to produce the action. So it would have to be somebody in a crowd pointing at a specific woman and saying, punch that terse. That could maybe get you into the territory of true incitement to violence under a First Amendment standard. But it is considered free speech in America to generally advocate the use of force and violence. And while I disagree with it, I would rather live in a free country that allows people to suggest mad and radical things with only the narrowest possible of exceptions. So I don't actually think they should have been arrested, although, I mean, they're in London, so they don't have the First Amendment to protect them, so they probably should have seen this coming and maybe not advocated for violence, because they probably will face legal jeopardy. But while I condemn the actions here completely, I don't actually support that aspect of it. All right, on to our second story today. Honestly, this is one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. But a bunch of woke college researchers put out a survey about LGBTQ questions and attitudes and pronouns to a bunch of engineering students and got hilariously trolled. Let's go to Fox News for the story here. Academic researchers condemned students' irreverent and offensive responses to an LGBTQ survey, claiming the pushback indicates, quote, fascist ideologues are, quote, living inside the house of engineering and computer science. In an article for the Bulletin of Applied Transgender Studies, academics from Oregon State University wrote about their shock at receiving sarcasm and mockery in response to their research into undergraduate LGBTQ students studying in STEM fields. The team claimed 50 of 349 responses to their questionnaire on the topic contained slurs, hate speech, or direct targeting of the research team. Labeling them malicious respondents, they adapted their project to examine how the joke responses, quote, relate to engineering culture by framing them within larger social context, namely the rise of online fascism. The result was the paper entitled, quote, Attack Helicopters and White Supremacy, Interpreting malicious responses to an online questionnaire about transgender undergraduate engineering and computer science student experiences. So according to the article, when the, quote, malicious suspects were asked to fill out demographic data, 12 respondents indicated their gender as being related to a helicopter or an aircraft, ranging from an Apache attack helicopter to a V-22 Osprey. In the section declaring one's disabilities, responses range from claiming to be, quote, illiterate to, quote, my country is run by communists, with some also saying that identifying as transgender is a disability in itself, 
due to the inability to come to terms with biological reality. One respondent claimed to identify as a gift card on their gender. Under racial and ethnic identities, they said, quote, I'm an ethnic gift card. <laughs> and for disability, the answer was, quote, I don't have enough gift cards. Other responses to questions about identity reject the researcher's project entirely with answers such as, my skin color is not important. Come on, these questions are stupid. Everyone is a grab bag of genetics from all over the world. And what else do you want to know? What I ate for breakfast? This question is unnecessary. They claim, these researchers concluded, that online memes associated with white nationalist and fascist movements were present throughout the data alongside memes and content referencing gaming and nerd culture. So this is hilarious. I particularly love the person who identifies as a gift card. I haven't heard that one before. But I want to be clear that for most of these students, it's not that they're hateful. They're probably not hateful to gay people or trans people at all. They're just sick of this diversity, divisive nonsense constantly being pushed, the identity politics, the obsessive nature of all of it. So they're trolling and having a little bit of fun at the expense of these uptight, woke researchers. It's not evidence of fascism, let alone white nationalism. What that has to do with pronouns, I have no idea. It's just some college students giving you some shit. Yet the research team declared that this has had a, quote, profound impact on their moral and mental health, particularly for one transgender researcher who was, quote, already in therapy for anxiety and depression regarding online anti-trans rhetoric. The paper claimed that managing the study's data collection caused significant personal distress and time had to be taken off the project to heal from traumatic harm of having to read students' responses. I'm sorry, people. But if you're an adult and you're a researcher and you can't collect responses to a survey without being triggered or traumatized and needing to take time off for therapy, you're an emotional toddler. You lack the basic emotional resilience of a functioning adult, and, and that's a huge problem. That's something you should seek help with and work on developing, but... You shouldn't be in this type of job doing social science research if just people making jokes at the expense of one demographic group is going to push you into a multi-week spiral. Get a grip. I mean, that's just really pathetic. The scholars concluded that the malicious responses indicate that fascism has become a common ideology in engineering and computer science academia. They suggested that the counter-response should be social justice STEM education that includes perspectives on online hate radicalization and center anti-colonial intersectional, intersectional solidarity organizing as its opposition. This honestly sounds like the Babylon Bee. It reminds me of those pranksters who wrote a bunch of hoax, fake, woke papers and got them accepted to journals. Like, part of me almost worries that this is fake and it's an elaborate troll job. But considering these are academics associated with Oregon State University, I doubt it. It's just one example, but boy, it is just a really a, a shocking display of terrible academic research and just how total woke brain rot has corrupted ac some academics at least. But hey, it's entertaining as all hell, so thank you for that, Oregon State. Thank you. Now, I want to turn our attention to Congress for a moment and talk about some really fascinating testimony that was at a hearing about youth gender transition and the ethics of that medical practice. Chloe Cole, a 19-year-old detransitioner, a woman, she testified and just 
wow, guys, it's heartbreaking stuff. I want you to take a look at this. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. During the House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing on gender transition surgeries, 19-year-old detransitioner Chloe Cole detailed the path of coercion she received from doctors ultimately leading her to start transition process at the age of 12. And the adults in my life whom I trusted affirmed my belief and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. Doctors used a common messaging tactic on her parents. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty-blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down. And in retrospect, I can't blame them. This was the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. She outlined what the mutilating surgeries had done to her. I had a double mastectomy at 15. After my breasts were taken away from me, the tissue was incinerated. Before I was able to legally drive, I had part... I had a huge part of my future womanhood taken from me. I will never be able to breastfeed. She said while she was not suicidal before the transition, like the doctors threatened, she did become suicidal after the surgery. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. I look in the mirror sometimes and I feel like a monster. So, firstly, my heart just breaks for Chloe. I wish I could reach out through the screen and give her a hug. What she went through is just unimaginable, and I'm so sorry that she was misled, failed by doctors, I mean, and that she's going to have to deal with this for the rest of her life. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, and detransitioners, they deserve our complete respect and empathy and support. But folks, I mean, this is part of why I believe you should have to wait till you're an adult or at least reach the age of consent to medically transition. I just don't think a minor can really reckon with the life-altering consequences of making a decision that will impact your fertility, let alone removing body parts or things that cannot be undone. It's just all, I mean, just not the kind of thing any 14, 15, 16-year-old could possibly fully understand. Their brains are still developing. I mean, I was, I, I just think back to myself at 15, and as a gay person, like, I still thought I was totally straight and just did not have any idea about why I, my feelings were so incongruous. And I just, no, I mean, I could not have made any lifelong decisions about my body or about my future. And so I, I just think we have to protect minors from this, and we have to wait to the age of adulthood or the age of consent before they can do this kind of thing because it's not fair to them and you literally can't even get a tattoo at 15 but she got a double mastectomy that's madness i also really appreciate what chloe said about her parents and the empathy she has for them now she doesn't blame them for going along with this because sometimes on the right i see people vilify the parents of uh, gender confused youth who are transitioning them and say that they're abusing their kids or they're bad parents. And I really, I, I don't agree with that. I think many times these parents are 
just listening to the experts, to what they're told. And they're, they're told these emotionally manipulative things like this doctor told Chloe's parents, apparently, that you will either have a trans child or a dead child. That is emotional manipulation, not medically ethical guidance from a doctor to parents. And so I completely understand why parents go down this path and just trust the experts. And if it ends up really harming their child, I don't blame the parents for that so much. So I always am a little uncomfortable when folks on the right bash the parents in these situations because I think it's a lot more complicated than that. But anyway, I'm glad Chloe's message is getting out there and I am actually excited to announce that she will be joining me on Damage Control in a few weeks. So we're going to dive deep into her story and I'm so excited and I, I'm really, it takes real courage to speak up like that in public. I've actually testified before the Senate and it's just scary. And I was just talking about policy and journalism stuff. Imagine, I can't imagine bearing my soul like that for the world, but she's doing a public service, frankly, by erasing these stories that have been for a long time overlooked and ignored by mainstream media because people should know. People should know not just about the good cases and all this stuff, but also about the bad cases. And uh, we need to have a serious reckoning with this stuff because other countries are already backpedaling very fast on youth medical transition, and I think that we will uh, have a lot to reckon with over the decades to come. All right, up next, we've got to react to a CNN segment about a family fleeing Florida because they have a transgender child. Take a watch. We just thought it would be a nice, warm place to live where we could get to beaches. I just never thought that I would have to flee a state for the good of my children. The SB 254, uh, this will permanent outlaw the mutilation of minors. I remember Tori coming to me one time and in tears, which she doesn't normally do. And I asked her what was wrong and she said DeSantis. And like the fact that a governor would be making my kid cry, that's a messed up government. We're absolutely moving because of the political climate and the laws in Florida. We didn't want to move. When the Florida Board of Medicine started meeting and we realized that they were going to ban gender-affirming care for our kids, that we might need to leave because that is life-saving, essential medicine and treatment for our daughter. I was very relieved when we decided to leave. I had never really heard that much about trans people and until I was like 11 or 12 I didn't even know trans people existed so I was just used to being uncomfortable. I started hormone blockers pretty soon after that. Yeah I mean there was times before she started getting hormones and stuff that she was suicidal but after she transitioned she was much Stop. more outgoing much more like comfortable with herself. Careful. We are seeing many families that are leaving. I really think if you were to ask a member of a trans family, they would tell you they go to bed at night dreaming of how to get out of the state. So that, yeah, that's the dining room right here. And then this is the living room. My hope for the McKee family is they are able to find a community that embraces them. We're lucky that we're able to get out we're able to afford to leave. A lot of people can't, or it's gonna be very difficult. I uh, feel 
really bad for the people that have to stay here. It's been difficult to access my hormones. I'm not honestly sure how I would continue to access care. Even if I wasn't trans, I wouldn't be comfortable here. So this is dramatic and kind of absurd for a few reasons. Firstly, you don't have to flee Florida. This is not North Korea. This is not the Soviet Union. You're literally allowed to go. Just gotta rent a U-Haul and get a new apartment or a new house. And people move from state to state all the time. It's literally allowed. Secondly, I, I definitely think exploring the stories of people like this is valid journalism. But it does feel extremely unbalanced and biased in this segment. I mean, I, it, it, maybe they are, but I highly doubt that uh, CNN is covering the stories of detransitioners like Chloe Cole, who have had horrible botched experiences with transgender uh, youth medicalization. And they should probably mention that Florida is the number one state for net migration. It's gaining the most population on net. So to cover isolated instances of people fleeing is fine. But you shouldn't suggest that it's some like bleeding population and people are fleeing that that's not the case. And y'all know that I, I don't support medically transitioning minors, but I will say a lot of people on the right were outraged over this story. And I actually, while I get some of the criticisms, I kind of think this is how it's supposed to work. We have a federalist system of government that's divided into 50 states that are supposed to be laboratories of democracy, as the term goes. They're supposed to try different policies and See what works, and Americans can vote with their feet and move to a community that aligns with their values. A lot more people will be happy with the policies they have to live under if we have different states doing different things, and then people can go where they align with the policies. And so for this family, if that's California, power to you. I don't actually think it's bad that they're leaving the state because they don't like the policies. People do that all the time, and it's not inherently a bad thing. It's kind of how our system's supposed to work. All right, guys, and now it's time to turn to some woke TikToks. And boy, some of them are real doozies. Up first, we've got a nice young man to explain to you silly women that the term biological woman is not a real thing. This is going to upset a lot of people. Biological woman, not a real thing. Let me explain. So the term biological in this context means of or pertaining to physical, human, anatomy, and genetics. The term woman is a gender, and we know in accordance with every modern respected medical society that gender is socially constructed. So to say biological woman is to conflate physical biology with a social construction, which is an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp or pretty Republican. When people like the cheese enthusiasts in the video before this say biological woman, they're not trying to use proper terminology. They're trying to make a statement about what it is to be a woman. They're trying to insinuate that gender relies on your physical anatomy and by extension that trans people aren't real. Cis woman is a great alternative to what you think you're trying to say with biological woman. Another alternative, shutting up forever. Hope this helps. So there's a lot to unpack there, but for one, it's kind of funny to see a dude explaining to women that a biological woman's not a real thing. Aren't y'all the folks that complain about mansplaining? But a biological woman is very much a real thing. It's called being female, it's called having XX chromosomes, ovaries, and all of that. In 99% or more of cases, there's no difference between sex and gender. They overlap, right? Not a Venn diagram, two circles. Almost everybody who is a female, I identifies as a woman. So to talk about biology being part of what it is to be a woman or a biological woman is, is not offensive, right? It's not inaccurate or wrong. It's just true in almost all cases with some exceptions. And that doesn't contradict the existence of transsexual women, right? Biological males with XY chromosomes 
who identify as women and socially present and transition medically and power to them. But these things can and do coexist, and your attempt to shame women for having an attachment to their biology, between their biology and their gender, is just not helpful and not scientific or sound. But you're also clearly not actually trying to convince anyone, as your cheap shots at Republicans' looks and your uh, cussing out at people and telling them to shut up, as those make clear. So I won't waste any more time on you. This next one, it's a little creepy, to be honest. If you're cis and you won't date trans folks, you're transphobe. Now if that made you mad, maybe it's your prejudices that you need to probe. No matter the reasons you've got, you're reducing us to when we disrobe. And that kind of thinking ain't sophisticated. It's more like microbes. I know you think you've got good reasons. Maybe you do. Trauma's real. It's hard to heal. I'd never say that that isn't true. But transphobia's transphobia, and you won't get a pass when we're through. Oh, is that a threat? <laughs> we're human beings, not sex organs. Cis lesbians, I'm talking to you. So, first things first, one out of ten for the musical performance. D do not recommend. But it, more seriously, right, the reason I, I so fundamentally object to this, and it, it's not just one person on TikTok, you see this line of argumentation, unfortunately, frequently on the internet, is because you might not realize it, but in your pursuit of, like, trans activism or wokeness or whatever, you're actually undercutting the basis for gay acceptance, same-sex attraction. Some people aren't attracted to certain genitalia or biological anatomy. That's what it means to be gay, right? You're not attracted to female anatomy. They can't help or control that, so it's not fair to get mad at them or act like that makes them bigoted or evil. Newsflash to the woke, it's wrong to judge people for sexual attractions they don't choose and can't control. Y'all are literally out here sounding like yesteryear's homophobes and anti-gay Christians right now. There's also just something fundamentally creepy about trying to insist that people have to date you or find you attractive. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who do, so maybe just stick to them and stop trying to force yourself onto others. It, it's giving me too. This logic, or lack thereof, is just so broken. I mean, I'm gay, so I'm not attracted to women. Does that make me a sexist misogynist? Obviously not, but that's what this twisted thinking, this mental gymnastics would actually imply. I'm just begging trans activists to stop this date me or you're a bigot shtick. It's really cringe, it makes no sense, and it's not helping. Okay, up next, did you guys know that misgendering is violence? Let me explain why misgendering is an act of violence. I know this sounds extreme, and I know I talk about this a lot, but this is because the situation is extreme. Getting misgendered as a trans and non-binary person not only triggers the trauma of being conditioned into a gender that is not ours, but it also triggers the trauma of existing in a world that at large would prefer we did not exist. So getting misgendered can feel like a smack in the heart. It represents all that we are up against. And yes, mistakes 
absolutely happen. But let's say you turn a corner and accidentally smack someone across the face. You wouldn't immediately be like, hey, look, it was an accident. You would tend to their pain and make sure it doesn't happen again. But then every time you turn that same corner, you continue to smack that person. Yes, it may still be unintentional, but at a certain point, the lack of intention is a choice. So maybe first you have to take in the fact that this causes real harm and then approach your misstep with the level of awareness and effort that it will take to stop hurting us. I love you. So no, no, it's not. Misgendering is not violence. And, and frankly, if you actually think that, that tells me you've never experienced real physical violence, which I'm thankful for, but is really suggesting your ignorance here. To conflate words that hurt your fifis with physical violence is insulting to actual survivors of physical violence. And if words can cause you physical pain like you're saying, that's a you problem. That means you lack the emotional resilience of a functioning adult. And I'm not trying to be mean. That's actually something you should seek help for and, and work on. But it's on you to do that. It's not on us. And this thinking is, is really actually pernicious and dangerous. Because if you say that mean words you don't like are violence, well, then you can justify violence in response to those words or even violence to prevent those words from being uttered. And once we go down that path, there's no turning back and there's no hope for free speech in society once words are conflated with violence and violence is a response to words that's legitimized. At that point, nobody can speak their mind. You can't have an open exchange of ideas and information, and you no longer have a free society. You have a, a wild, wild west of physical violence and domination. I don't think this is actually what folks like this want. They really need to reconsider this bonkers approach. All right, up next, it's not a TikTok, but I had to put it in this section because it's just some of the most insane woke shit I've ever seen. We've got a tweet from Just Stop Oil, the climate doomer alarmist activist group. Their tweet says, New oil and gas is a death sentence for millions of people, and the LGBTQ plus community will be one of the first to suffer. Take action with us at JustStopOil.org. And then it shows like a pride-themed Just Stop Oil protest. So first off, new oil and gas is not a death sentence for millions of people. And in fact, the developing world relies on fossil fuels to lift people out of poverty. That would actually save millions of lives. So you have no idea what you're talking about. But also, Just Stop Oil is like an eco-terrorist group at this point. I mean, these people are unhinged. They literally, I saw a video of them recently where they blocked a mother who was trying to get her sick child to the hospital. They shut down the road and wouldn't let her pass. That, that's violence. That's terrorism. And it, it should be treated as such. I fully support any group, no matter how much I disagree with their crazy agenda, I fully support their right to protest. The right to protest doesn't include the right to violate other people's rights, like their freedom to move and block traffic. So they're crazy and radical, and it's not a surprise to see them pushing crazy and radical things. But this still doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, what? What about being gay or being transgender means you're more vulnerable when the earth gets hotter? I literally racked my brain trying to think how this could make sense, try to put myself in their shoes, and I really struggled. One argument you will hear, and I got this in my environmental justice class in college, is that people on the margins of society are more at risk for environmental harm. So like poor people or in racial minorities, for example, because there's a large racial wealth gap in the U.S., 
are more at risk from pollution or natural disasters because they live in more vulnerable areas without the same infrastructure or insurance policies and lots of things. And there's a grain of truth to that, but it certainly doesn't apply to gay and lesbian people. I mean, in many cases, they actually out-earn their straight counterparts in advanced Western nations like the U.S. or I believe the U.K. So if anything, climate change might actually hurt straight people more. But in all seriousness, it just doesn't have anything to do with LGBTQ issues. It's ludicrous, but it's just part of this pattern of woke nonsense where they have to make every issue about everything. And then in in doing so, they just make it all meaningless and just only do themselves a disservice. Okay, this next unhinged TikTok, it takes place in the medical arena as this person was very upset with their doctor misgendering them or wanting to know their biological sex, basically. Understand why in the year 2023, doctors are still forcing their trans patients to sit there and misgender themselves multiple times over and fucking over again to satiate their confusion and curiosity and how they seem to just not be able to understand how I said I take testosterone because I am transgender, my body doesn't produce its own, and then later saying how, like referencing my pregnancy and this and that, and she just didn't get it. She didn't fucking get it. Just had to like really drill it in that she was confused, despite the fact that I said I am transgender. I take testosterone. And then her just being so, so how are you pregnant? Do you have a uterus? Do you have this? Do you have that? Are you female? Are you female? Are you female? Do I fucking look female? Anyway. I'm still not any closer to getting the referral that I need for the bronchoscopy to find out about the hole in my lung. But at least my new PCP got me to say that I'm female. So there's the American healthcare system in a nutshell. So I have some thoughts. First off, all patients, no matter their identity, deserve to be treated with respect and dignity by their doctors. And, you know, in the case of trans adults, I think that use, that means using their preferred pronouns. And I really do hope this person gets whatever medical help they need with whatever issue they've got going on. But the rest of this response is totally unhinged and unreasonable. Yeah, your doctor might be confused about the fact that you're pregnant while being a trans man, because it doesn't make any sense. It is extraordinarily unusual that a trans man, a biological female who identifies as a man, would allow themselves to become pregnant because that would give them extreme gender dysphoria, you'd think, right? Because that is an inherently female thing, and yet you want to be perceived as a man in society. So that's very unusual. That's not something almost any transgender men do. So yeah, your doctor would be confused. And... You are a biological female. You do have XX chromosomes. I don't know why you're mad about admitting that. That doesn't mean you can't be a trans man. But it's actually quite important for your doctor to know what your biological sex is because there's a a wide range of diagnoses and differences in symptoms and outcomes and all sorts of things between people with XX and people with XY. In fact, there have even been cases where patients have died because doctors missed diagnoses because they didn't know the person's actual sex. They thought they were the other sex that they present as, 
not their biological sex, and so they miss something they otherwise would have caught, and that person died. A doctor actually has an ethical duty to determine your biological sex and find out that you are female so they can treat you and actually take care of you. So don't act outraged or like they're doing something wrong. They're not. You're the one who's being unreasonable. All right, to round things out, I, I want to mix it up a little bit. And instead of reacting to a woke TikTok, I'm going to react to a homophobic TikTok that somehow wound up in my feed. Take a look at this interesting argument. You are not born gay. Being gay is a choice, man. I am, I'm sick and tired, bro, of people saying, um, being gay is not uh, a choice that you make. Yes, it is. When you are born, right? When you are an infant, when you are born, when your mother brings you to life, in that moment of time, are you just like, goo goo gaga, I'm gay. You're not. <laughs> You are not, that does not happen. You, once you start to develop, let's just say realistically, after the age of maybe 10, maybe, but that's when it becomes a choice. I'm not saying uh, like, that's a choice that you make. Being gay is a choice because when you're young, right? you're still developing as a kid. Like most of the time, once you're at three years old, can you speak at three? Can you speak at two? Maybe once you start to become four and five, okay, that's when you start to speak. But for the most part, you was not born gay. Being gay is a choice. Anyone else feel like they lost brain cells watching and listening to that? So being gay is not a choice and I can explain why, but it, it's simply not. But I will say this, it's not as simple as being born gay. Like it's not simply genetically because you do have cases like, for example, with twins who are genetically identical, one will grow up to be gay and one will grow up to be straight. So it's more complicated than they're just being a gay gene. It's probably a combination of genetic predisposition, environmental and hormonal factors, and even societal factors. But the one thing it's most certainly not is a choice. And we know this because most gay people, myself included, spent many years doing everything they could to try not to be gay, to try to be straight. I mean, I literally remember when I was a teenager stealing my stepmother's Victoria's Secret catalogs, not for the purpose that most teenagers would steal them for, but for the opposite, to look at them and, and try to get myself to experience any attraction. I simply didn't. I mean, think about the gay people who were literally rejected by their families and their communities because of their sexuality. Don't you think if they could have, they would have just chosen to be straight and, and not had their whole lives ruined? I mean, when did you choose to be straight? Because most of the straight people I know couldn't choose to be gay or choose to find the same sex attractive if they wanted to. And if you could, then you, you might be a little bisexual there, my friend, because that's not typical. The only choice involved in being gay really is whether to act on it. And I suppose folks who say it's a choice, the only grain of truth to that is that if you really wanted to, you could choose to be celibate and to abstain from ever experiencing sex or ever experiencing romantic love. But as, as countless people learn through trying and failing painful conversion therapy efforts, 
you can't choose to experience heterosexual attraction or ever romantic love for a person of the opposite sex. If you don't, you simply don't. And so if the choice is to be devoid of some of the most meaningful human experiences or not, I don't think that's much choice at all, my friend. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of Damage Control. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, maybe do, turn, do me a favor, turn on those bell notifications so you actually see my content. That'd be pretty cool. And with that, I'll see you all in my next episode.